0: Today's program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. Recognize that music? It's a favorite of our guest today. Uh, he's an award-winning film composer who's had a very busy 2021 with a feature film score for a just-released film called Royal Jelly, uh, which we'll discuss later, as well as several short films. Uh, I hope, though, that you'll uh, you'll find his uh, choices of selections very interesting, as well as hearing some of his own compositions as well. Please join me in welcoming Joe Hodgkin to the program. Hi, Joe.
1: Hey Frank, thanks for having me.
0: Oh my pleasure. I'm very very excited to talk with you. It's uh, it's great to talk with the new and up-and-coming composers and to kind of get your feel about things and also to hear your work and I, I think uh, our audience will be very interested in that today. Um, I don't know if you've listened to our program before but it's our kind of our tradition at the very beginning. We like to learn a little bit about the the person and their background and that sort of things. So if you, I was wondering if you could Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, growing up, school, family, stuff like that.
1: So, yeah, a little bit about myself. I um, grew up in a small town, Alabama. Um, well, I was born in Mississippi and then moved to Alabama when I was about uh, seven or eight. Um, and uh, just super small town, like two stoplights, <laughs> small town. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, Started learning to play guitar when I was probably 11 or 12. Um, you know, God bless my mom. She, uh, drove me because I was in such a small town, there was no lessons. So my, uh, my mom drove me like an hour to the nearest city and, and, you know, drove me to my guitar lesson, waited there for an hour during the lesson, and drove me an hour back once a week. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I try to, th- you know, thank her as much as possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, um, yeah, so uh, I'd always kind of been into music. My older brother, he was like five years older. He was huge into music, and so, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, his influences um, kind of carried over to me. But anyway, I started playing guitar, and uh, once I started playing guitar, man, that was it. You know, that's like all I did, um, and uh, kind of got into music production, um, like recording myself and, uh, you know, recording songs at home and uh like nobody, because it was such a small town, nobody I, I knew knew how to really play an instrument, maybe one or two people. So literally the week I graduated, um, I moved out to uh, Orlando, Florida, where I went to Full Sail University, uh, which is kind of like a vocational trade school. And mm-hmm. uh, went there for recording arts and then got my bachelor's in music business Um and yeah, went out of, came out of school, started working in recording studios, uh, engineering, uh, per, got, got really into producing. That's kind of really where my heart was. Um, and then as I was producing, I met like other bands and joined a few bands. Um, uh, and you know, some of the bands got, uh, you know, pretty big. We were doing some pretty big tours and, um, uh, you know, as most younger bands do, um, you know, li- life kind of gotten happened to some of the members of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. Life happened. And um, so I, I ended up kind of transitioning to uh, teaching um, and kind of started my own teaching business and uh, ended up teaching probably for about five years. Um,
0: teaching music, I take it.
1: Yes, guitar and piano. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, still producing music on the side, um, still writing, obviously. Um, <clears throat> and then kind of just to backtrack a little bit, because this will kind of lead into why I love scoring and why I got into scoring. Um, you know, the bands that I, I were in, um, you know, uh, I felt like, you know... Uh, i was the i don't want to say the leader of the band but the main one kind of pushing things and pulling things and moving them along and let's do this let's go um you know and you know like i was saying kind of life would happen to another member of the band or someone else in the band was kind of the reason that the band kind of fell apart so um you know what attracted me to composing music uh was that it was all on me you know like i didn't have to rely on anybody else um you know in in, an, in a sense i guess working on a film it is a kind of a team aspect you're working with a team but you know to accomplish my part of the mission it's all on me really you know like i understand I, yeah so i, that's I, what
0: I yeah in I, fact i understand more than you'd know i mean I, I remember i tried playing team sports as i was growing up and then all of a sudden I kind of took up golf and, and I ended up loving that because that's the so same funny. reason you talked about it. It's only me. I don't have to, I can't blame anybody else or I can't praise anyone else. It's it's up to me. So, I, so I, I, I totally get that's, that.
1: Um, that's what attracts me to tennis. Like I'm a huge tennis fan. Uh, my, my dog's names are, are Roger and Rafa after uh, <laughs> Federer and Nadal. Um, <laughs> yeah, so huge tennis fan. So, yeah, man, because it's all on you. And, uh, you know, not, not that I can't. You know, not that I'm not a team player, it's just... Um, oh, I understand. Yeah, that's just kind of how I like to operate. Um, but yeah, so uh, so I was, you know, I taught, I was teaching for about five years. Um, still am teaching. I'll, I'll never stop teaching. Um, I just am kind of a natural born teacher. I love showing and sharing things and I just get a huge fulfillment out of... Uh, you know, sharing things with people and showing them how to do something that, that I love and sharing my love for things. Um, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I was teaching for a while and then to kind of, um, transition into scoring, I, uh, man, it was, it was kind of a, a random freak accident. Honestly, I, uh, um, the, sampling company i'm not sure if you're familiar with them spitfire audio do you know who they are the name's familiar but now i don't really know for sure okay they're like luxury like high-end um sample libraries for composers um you know i mean they're they're used on everything from queen's gambit to you know big hollywood uh features um anywho they uh they did a scoring competition where they released a clip of, uh, the HBO show Westworld without the music. And um, yeah, I just, I, I was, this was right when quarantine happened, when COVID happened, like right when we were quarantined. And I just had nothing to do at the house. And, you know, I keep in mind, you know, I'd been writing and producing music for 16, 17 years at that point. And uh, just huge, huge lover of film since I was a little, like, you know, just huge film buff. Uh, So I was like, why not? You know, I've always wanted to compose music for films. It just kind of seemed like this, uh, this huge task that I couldn't, you know, that you had to be classically trained to compose music for films. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so I, I took a stab at it and. Man, I can't tell you how how much like I enjoyed it. It really kind of just immediately helped me refall in love with music again. Um, oh, excellent! That's that's
0: great to hear. In fact, speaking of music, why, why don't we why don't we dive into one of the uh, cues that you chose? Because I'm excited to hear some of these. I'm not familiar with some of these composers, so I, I think that's always interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is from a project called The Queen's Gambit. And the cue you've chosen is called Beth's Story. I'm not familiar with this composer at all. I guess it's Carlos Rafael Riviera. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. He did the music for the show on Netflix, Godless. I think that was his first big uh, hit. Um, And the same director that did Godless did Queen's Gambit. um, And so he composed that as well. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show at all, but it was, like, huge last year. I think it was the biggest watched show on Netflix. Oh,
0: is this the one about chess?
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, yes! Loved it. Loved it. Yes. Well, tell tell us why.
0: You, tell us why you chose this particular cue as uh, one of your favorites.
1: Man, I don't know. Um, you know, I, all of them are great, honestly. But just something about Beth's story is was just beautiful. Um, it's very uh, uh, minimalist. I feel like it reminded me kind of of like a Thomas Newman piece, which he's like my favorite composer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just simplistic and just beautiful. I love it.
0: All right. Well, let's have a listen for ourselves. Again, this is from the, uh, from the. I guess, was it Netflix, I think? Yep, Netflix. Yeah. Netflix uh, limited series called Queen's Gambit. The cue is called Beth's Story, and the composer has written it, uh, is Carlos Rafael Riviera. You mentioned that you, you were taking guitar lessons and, and uh, played guitar quite a bit, but, but then I also heard at one point you had talked yeah. about piano. So when did when did the piano get introduced to you? Because I would think that would be the probably the main instrument one would have to use in order to compose music for a film. I, and I could be wrong. I, I know nothing musically. So tell me a little bit about your introduction into piano then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, you know, I, like I said, I started playing guitar around 11 or 12. Um, and then maybe a year in, or two into playing guitar, I started kind of uh, translating what I was playing on guitar to piano. I um, started to realize that you know music is it's just one big language you know if you um, you know each instrument speaks the same language. so uh, if you know the notes you're playing on guitar you, and you know the notes on piano, you can just transfer everything over to piano. Huh. Um, so probably around 13, I started kind of self teaching and then I started taking lessons on piano. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you're correct. I, I pretty much solely compose on piano. Um, and then, uh, you know, I consider guitar my main instrument, but, um, you know, just how you approach music is completely different on a keyboard than it is a guitar. So yeah. So I end up you know usually composing mainly on piano and then i'll I'll add guitar in later um, unless it's like a really heavy guitar driven score then I'll kind of base everything around the guitar
0: you mentioned um being a recording engineer and producing uh, recordings and things of that nature I had no idea is that is the recording biz you know kind of like a big deal in Orlando is there a lot of activity going on?
1: um yeah I would definitely say. Just as much as any other big city. Um, you know, I will say it is uh, because it has Full Sail University here, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that school. It's no. It's definitely one of the biggest, like, vocational, like, trade schools for recording and music production. Um, it's, it's huge. Um, but, you know, a lot of people end up kind of graduating from there and kind of doing what I did, staying in Orlando. So there's, there's an immense amount of recording uh, studios and competition here. So.
0: Okay. Yeah, I bet. It, 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 it's it's probably highly competitive, isn't it? I mean, for, for, for if you're a recording engineer or a composer or whatever.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. In hotbed,
0: you're in a hotbed like Orlando, where I know there's a lot of activity going on at least in film and TV and that sort of thing that, it must be highly competitive.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Disney and Universal, you know, right down the street. Um, but, yeah, anything in the music industry is going to be highly competitive, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people get attracted to music in the beginning because, you know, it, it isn't too super competitive. when You know, when you start out, it's it's more of a team effort. But, you know, as you get into it professionally, man, it gets, it gets very competitive. And uh, so
0: did um so uh, given the fact that uh, that you really are just kind of getting started as a as a film composer you've obviously had success in some other related areas but now that you're getting started into into composing for films what what's that process like to be able to kind of get your name out there and try to get some gigs i mean are, I, i'm just kind of curious how did how did you market yourself
1: yeah yeah so it's um I'm not sure how many like beginner composers you've had on your podcast, but uh, it might be you know interesting for your audience to kind of see that point of view from somebody who is kind of uh, starting out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, li- like I mentioned earlier, after that scoring competition, I mean literally the day after I, en- I entered that competition, I was like, this this is it. this is this is what I want to do. this is what I'm I'm meant to do just something about writing to picture, it brings something out in my writing. Um, you know, like the picture tells me what to write, and it, it makes me write things that I wouldn't normally write. Um, so anyway, so the day after that, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I just kind of hit the ground running, man. I, I, I just, um, I think over the past year and a half since that competition, I think, I maybe have spent three days not writing music and not trying to find a gig. Um, so just every day grinding, man, um, you know, six, eight, eight hours, um, in the studio. Um, but kind of how I marketed, um, you know, in the beginning, really it's just getting your demo reel together and putting together, um, you know, stuff for directors to see. Um, so you know, probably the first five or six months was was finding student films and finding um, you know uh, either free work or, or work that was you know um, projects I believed in, um, right? And, and good quality stuff that I wanted on my reel, and then just wrote the best music possible and. Uh, did a bunch of competitions, some short films. I did Royal Jelly um, during uh, during the lockdown. Um, I'm signed on to do two more features that I'm starting actually this month. Um, so, you know, over time, you just build up your reel. Um, and as far as like finding people to work for, you know, it's I started off uh, going to film festivals. That's a great networking opportunity to find directors. Yeah. Um Facebook groups honestly was a huge thing. I joined a bunch of uh, filmmaker Facebook groups where like filmmakers would would post in the groups like looking for a, a, a casting call or a crew member, um, and uh, just kind of networked with them. Tried to find gigs through that, um, and then you know I would just go on YouTube and and find just type in short film and spend a few hours watching short films and making lists of. The ones I loved and looking the directors up on IMDb and emailing them and, you know, like hundreds of emails. And, uh, you know, it's just just networking, man, because yeah. it's, it's really all about who you, uh, you know, who, you know, really, you know, is. yeah. That's yep. what a lot of life comes down to
0: <laughs> Cliche, <laughs> the, very- the,
1: uh, the next
0: the next cue you chose is, is from tenant, uh, which I, I've not seen, unfortunately. And I know I should and I've heard a lot about it. The cue is called Radi- uh, "Rainy Night in Tallinn." Uh, I'm gonna. You're gonna have to help me with this name. The composer's name is Ludwig Gorenson. Gorenson. Okay. Tell so, me a little bit about why that uh, ended up being amongst one of your uh, favorites that you wanted to share with us today.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Ludwig, he did the music for Star Wars: The Mandalorian. Um, oh, okay. And, and also Black Marvel's Black Panther. Um, He's to me, man. He's. He, I feel like he's. He's going to be the next like Hans Zimmer, the next big, huge, you know. Wow. Composer. He's. He's just phenomenal. And tenet, you know, Christopher Nolan, um, just amazing film. But uh, this whole score is, to me is is one of the best of of last year. Um, he just he does some really revolutionary stuff with uh, reversing and inverting instruments. Um. Because Tenet, I don't know if you're familiar with the storyline, but it's all about inverting time. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan, he did Inception and Interstellar right. movies. They're just kind of like mind twisting films. So the whole <laughs> film has to do with like time inversion. So he does a lot of that with his music. Like he inverts instruments or like reverses certain things. Um, so the production quality to me is just amazing.
0: All right. Well, let's. Uh... Let's have a listen for ourselves. Again, this is from the film uh, Tenet. The cue is called Rainy Night in Tylene, and it's written by Ludwig Göransson. So, you had this epiphany. I mean, I, I can I can relate to you a lot because I've had similar experiences. You had this light bulb go off and saying, "This is what I was destined to do." Um. So what? What's your approach of uh, of trying to score a film? In other words, what's what's the process like? I mean, do you do you read the script first? Do you do you you know watch a rough cut first? Do you talk to the director first? I'm just kind of curious if you could. Talk me through a little bit about how that process works.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, what I've kind of come to find out is when you get uh, a gig, it's either one of two things. It's either we have the film done, we're looking for a composer, can you start writing tomorrow? Um, (laughs) Or you get the gig when they're in the pre-production process and they're like, you know, can you score this film? We'll have it ready in a year and a half. (laughs) So, (laughs) so you're either writing tomorrow or in a year and a half. So depending on one of those two outcomes, um, you know, I, I always love to read the script just right off the bat before I even kind of agree to the film. Um, you know, just to, just to make sure it's something I believe in, something that I'm really, um, interested in. And I like the concept. Um, but, uh, man, honestly, you know, you hear about composers uh, writing music to the script. Um, but, man, for me, uh, I almost like have to have the visuals before like i can I kind of I can kind of start coming up with concepts and ideas for the music, but I feel like I really need to see the picture to really like understand the colors and the textures that I'm going to use. Cause even the coloring of the film can, can drastically change the color of the music. Um, so I, I really feel like, you know, I can kind of start preparing and come up with ideas and concepts, what instruments I'm going to use, what I'm going to base the score around, but I really can't start fully writing until, yeah, I get the rough cut for sure.
0: So, um, do you, you like writing to picture? I'm curious, I'm trying to think of how I can ask this. Do you, are you more, are you more influenced by the visuals or, or by what the, what the characters are going through? Does that make sense when I'm asking?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think they work together. I think they, they are, it's kind of like a relationship. You kind of have to balance both, um, you know the visuals but they also have to kind of tell the story of, of what the characters are going through um so i i think they they have to work together for sure
0: now i find that fascinating you're talking about all oh, the, the the textures and the and the visuals and colors and all those sorts of things influencing. yeah i can see that i mean music is so
1: incredibly
0: powerful have you ever well obviously you have I was, that's a stupid question i was going to ask so i'll ask it anyway You've, you've, you've seen a film, a rough cut with no music. It's amazing how dead it is before you add music. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Music elevates it big time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And can, can, can take it in 20 different directions. You know, um, it's so funny if you look up on YouTube, there's like people who rescore, um, trailers or certain scenes in a completely different genre, like, somebody scored the shining trailer, but put comedy music to it Mm -hmm. and it just completely changes the entire feel of, of the, you know, the scene. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And it depends on the film as far as whether the director wants you to, um, wants you to tell the audience what to feel. Um, but some directors, they want you to just, uh, uh, kind of heighten what the audience is already feeling does that make sense
0: yeah yeah so in other words so I take it at the at, in the beginning of the process you sit down with the director and spot the film in other words where he wants music and where he doesn't I'm, I'm guessing yeah and, and also what he what, what what flavor what kind of a feel he wants the music to be is that is that kind of summing up
1: yeah definitely is just as detailed as possible I mean everything matters um you know and a lot of directors they aren't what you call, um, you know, uh, they're not musicians.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. You know,
1: so a lot of times you kind of have to interpret certain words or certain adjectives that they say that they they might want. Um, And you you build relationships up with directors where you kind of understand their terminology and what they mean by certain words they use.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there are... There are few and far between, but there are some directors that have a musical sense or knowledge, but
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. by and
0: large, a lot of them don't. So yeah. uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Well, I mean, this next cue that you chose is not a surprise, given how popular this particular composer is. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about John Williams uh, from the film Harry Potter. I guess the, the, the first Harry Potter, is that?
1: Yep, the Sorcerer's okay. Stone.
0: The first Harry Potter. Uh, the cue is called Leaving Hog- Hogwarts. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to choose that amongst your favorites.
1: Yeah, so I would probably say one of my favorite cues of all time. Um, just been, always been a huge Harry Potter fan since I was little. Um, you know, I would, I got got the books when they released at midnight since the first one. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, saw all the movies. Um, John Williams, you know, top three favorite composers. Uh, But yeah, so this, not only is this an amazing cue, but there's tons of nostalgia tied into it for me. Um, I just kind of like relate it to the musical equivalent of just uh, wrapping yourself up in a big warm blanket.
0: (laughs) That's a a great description. And you're right. I mean, music really can sometimes transport you back in time to a a place or or a feeling or whatever in your past and it can be very powerful that way so yeah, i i totally understand it well let's right. have a listen for ourselves this is from the film Harry Potter the cue is called leaving hogwarts and it's written by the maestro john williams get back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, f- offset the time spent in putting the program together or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar either way if you can join up there will be bonuses like an additional 10 to 15 minute segment with our guest every week where we'll play additional cues as well as ask us some extra questions and it's going to be only available to patrons but how do you sign up well it's simple you go to patreon.com what's the score and that's all one word that's Patreon, that's P A T R E O N dot com slash what's the score? Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's patreon.com. I've not mentioned it before, but I should point out that Bumper Music you just heard was written by listener and friend Terry Wallstrom. Thanks, Terry. I've um, I've heard a little bit of your work. I played some of the things that you had sent that we're going to be playing here towards the end of the program. And I was uh, very impressed. And what's interesting is that a lot of times some young composers' works that I've heard before or a little bit more uh, I don't know how to say it uh, techno electric uh, you know I mean yeah modern and, and and that's okay that's fine but yours strikes me as more of a, a, a more of a, a classical golden Age approach and that's not a criticism that's that's an opinion of mine and which I th- which I happen to like so I'm kind of curious um what what composers have influenced you? I think you already mentioned one, but but kind of talk to me a little bit about. Is there are there composers out there that you admire that maybe have influenced your quote style unquote?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like um, like I mentioned Thomas Newman. I mean, it, honestly, man, it. I feel like my influences range very very. <laughs> they're, they're just uh, all over the place. Um, But yeah, I mean, Tom, the usual Thomas Newman, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, um, James Horner, um, just, you know, all the classics. uh, Like Ludwig is one of my new favorites. um, But, you know, I I feel like, um, you know, like you were saying, a lot of modern composers uh, tend to go the electronic route. uh, And I, I feel like I really enjoy that i do um but i do enjoy doing the hybrid approach um because there's a lot of electronic stuff in the royal jelly soundtrack but you're right it is more kind of a, a classical approach um particularly because the movie uh you know the director right off the bat told me kind of wanted a more kind of dark fairy tale like feel
0: yeah um, yeah, I, I can sense that
1: yeah yeah so um so that's kind of, I kind of went that approach with it. Um, but, you know, I mean, I love doing, like, completely orchestra, Disney-type stuff. I love doing electronic. I love doing horror. Um, anything that just makes the audience feel something, you know, I love it.
0: Yeah, whatever, I guess, whatever best fits the needs of the movie. I mean, because and, 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 I'm not trying to be critical of electronic techno. Oh, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, me either. I it, love it, it Just yeah.
0: But, it, but it's, it's kind of a more of a modern approach, and then... Classic, but whatever fits the needs of the film, which is which brings up another question. It's interesting. Do you, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing at this point in your career, you haven't gotten to this point, but but when you do, and I, I have no doubt you will, are do you want to is it more important that you write to the needs of the film or or write to make it listenable on a CD or a streaming service? You understand what I'm saying? Is it listenable yeah. outside of the
1: film? Yeah, always the film always what's best for the film. Um, that's number one priority always.
0: Okay. Yeah. And a lot of times if it does fit the needs of the film, it's going to be listenable outside of that.
1: Yeah. As
0: young as you can't relate to this, but I, and I've, my listeners know, I I say this several times every, every show almost that (laughs) there was a time I'm old enough to remember. There was a time when, you know, there wasn't DVDs or beta or VHS (laughs) or streaming services The only way you could could relive a movie or a film that you've seen is either it gets re-released in the theaters, or you could listen to the soundtrack. And soundtrack, I mean, you you could relive the film through that music, and that was the only way you could do it. Now, you just, you know, I want to re-see, I'm a big James Bond fan, Ah, you know, I want to watch Thunderball, so you just plop it in the machine and go. But, you know, back when I was growing up, if I wanted to relive that experience, I had to put the album on, so... Uh, I'm just curious. It was, and, and I and I tend to agree with you. I think it's important you serve the needs of the film first, and you know if it if it's listenable outside of that, that's an added bonus. Um, well, let, let's let's go into the next uh, the next cue that you chose. And interesting, uh, the, the composer because I'm I'm kind of interested in this gentleman the the composer. The work that we're going to play is written by uh, Hans, Hans Zimmer, who is notorious apparently for using a team of composers. A lot of times it's not always necessarily originally all his work. Uh, for instance, I know a film that's coming out real soon. Again, my listeners will know I'm a big James Bond fan. Oh. The, uh, the Bond film No Time to Die that's coming out has music by Hans Zimmer, but, it, but word has it that it's one of his people on his team that wrote probably the majority of the score. So uh, I, I, I don't even know how he worked on, on this film. The film we're, we're talking about is Gladiator, which is amazing. It's an amazing film and an amazing score. The cue you chose was uh, is called the, uh, the Battle. In fact, you made a point of saying this is one of your favorite cues of all time. That's a pretty strong statement. So I'm curious. Tell me a little bit about why you wanted to choose that amongst your favorites.
1: Yeah. Um, yes. Hans Zimmerman, um, just responsible for, you know, to me some of the the best scores in my opinion um and also kind of revolutionary uh revolutionized the the kind of whole hybrid score the like we were talking about the electronic orchestra oh, yeah, like yeah, the dark knight movies the the uh christopher nolan batman movies i feel like he really revolutionized that but yeah um And I know he does work with a team. I know he, you know, comes up with kind of the main motif ideas and then has his team kind of flesh out the, those ideas. But Gladiator, I feel like was a lot earlier in his career. Um, I feel like he was, was responsible for a majority of this, this score. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, just this whole, it's kind of the same thing with, with Harry Potter. It was just a huge, huge influence in me, huge film. I love the film. Uh, loved the soundtrack when I was a kid um, and uh, just very epic battle scene uh, first kind of action cue I really fell in love with.
0: Yeah, it uh, and yeah, yeah. And to your point, by the way, and I, it's not meant to be a criticism. He really has kind of revolutionized film scoring in the fact that he does have a team. No one else had had that approach before and, and so he's kind of revolutionary in that. So it's
1: yeah, that's it's like he, of, he produces the score. I guess, yeah. You would say, you know?
0: And so, you know, that's that's a compliment, not a criticism. Well, let's have yeah. a listen. This is from the film Gladiator. The cue is called "The Battle." This is one of our guests' favorite cues of all time, and it's written by the composer Hans Zimmer. I'm curious given the fact that now you're you're in the uh, in the biz as it were and you're obviously a student of of watching other films and hearing scores with them and those sorts of things are there in, in your opinion are there times when composers can can you know overdo it i mean just write like too much music
1: uh, or, or yeah not? i don't know yeah. yeah i tend to do that a lot honestly um i mean i i like uh, i prefer overscoring something and then being told to, to, you know, pull back and then going through on the second pass and pulling back and, 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 uh, taking stuff out. Um, I would rather do that. Uh, you know, than than give something that isn't enough, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, have definitely, I can't think of any examples off off the top of my head right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, for sure. You can, you can overscore it. You can underscore it. Um, you know, just, just finding that balance.
0: It must be hard to, um, cause I know, I'm sure you put your heart and soul into it. And then when the director says, yeah, you know, no, I don't want anything here. Is, is that hard to, is that hard to stomach? You know, I mean, is it hard to get that kind of feedback?
1: Soul crushing sometimes.
0: <laughs> I bet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, especially when it's like you know you you score like uh, ten minutes worth of, of film. You know you you put a whole like forty hour work weekend, and you know three minutes of it is like like this is like some of the best stuff I've come up with. Like love this, and then yeah, like he's like I love it all except for the three these. There's three minutes in there. <laughs> we, no, you know it's just like <laughs> it is. It's soul crushing, but. Um, what I've kind of learned to do is, um, you know, I, I usually can kind of take that three minutes and, and cut it out and, uh, repurpose it somewhere else, um, uh-huh. yeah. recycle it, you know? Um, but you know, honestly, this, you just kind of have to just, just kind of, um, just go for it again. And a lot of times I feel like the second time is even better, you know? Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, that's just, part I, I, of the business, you know, that's just part yeah. of
0: it. I'm curious. Is it, was there ever a time where you wrote something for film a that was cut out because the director didn't want it in there and you repurposed it for film B
1: yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There was a couple of cues in Royal Jelly that that got cut. That uh, I ended up um, repurposing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, um, why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're great ideas, and uh, might as well put them to use somewhere else. Well, let's, um, it's like oh, sorry, ahead. I'm sorry. It's just it's not that you know when they when they, you, you have to realize like it's not that the music was bad. It just didn't fit that, what the, you know, what the director for that scene. So, you know, you can't take it personal.
0: Which, which I'm sure is easier said than done, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I think you're entirely right. And And look, you know, I, 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 late in life I became an actor and I've, and trust me, I've had so much rejection. It's while I know it's hard not to take it personal, I still sometimes take it personal, but you know, it's it's part, it's part of the, part of the deal, you know?
1: That's art, though, you know, and it, it's it's subjective. There could be a thousand people that think it's the greatest song they've ever heard, and a thousand people that think it's the worst song, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. The um, the next cue you chose is, I'm not even remotely familiar with this at all. I, I guess the film is called uh, Haunting of Bly Manor. <laughs> um, the cue is called Perfectly Splendid, and it, the composer, i, I I'm assuming this is more than one person. The composers are the Newton brothers. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I'd love to hear your description and, and why you wanted to choose that amongst one of your favorites.
1: Yeah, well, I really chose this because this soundtrack had such a huge influence on me uh, for Royal Jelly. Um, and this, was, this is a horror show that came out on Netflix probably around um, October last year. Um, really great. Uh, series if you're into horror Um, but I'm sure when you know if you've listened to it um, you'll kind of hear the resemblance between you know this sound on this film um, and the score for Royal Jelly Uh, but that's really kind of why I picked it because it just had you know it really had a huge influence on me for this whole score
0: Alright well let's have a Let's have a listen for ourselves. Again, this is, uh, this is from the film Haunting of Bly Manor. The cue is called Perfectly Splendid and it's written by the composers known as the Newton Brothers. So we're we're going to get into talking about royal jelly here in a minute um well, well let's let's get into it now tell tell me a little bit about how that project came to you and uh, what what it was that uh, attracted you to it
1: uh yeah so um you know this was probably um in the beginning or right in the middle of the COVID quarantine and um uh, either I had posted on a Facebook group or, um, or Sean, the director, Sean Riley, he posted maybe on a filmmaker group looking for a composer. Um, and I reached out to him and we really connected, uh, because, um, he's in the Mississippi area and that's where I grew up. Um, and he sent me the script and, uh, I love the script. Um, just kind of instantly connected with it, um, and then it, this was one of those gigs where he already had the film done kind of wanted me to just start writing like the next day so <laughs> um so yeah we connected read the script like the script watched the rough draft um and then basically kind of started the next day and uh you know next uh I think two or three months um I wrote it uh, recorded it uh had enough music budget to kind of hire a couple of musicians. I got my, uh, yeah, I got my good friend, um, Yamalette to come in and do, uh, cello. And then my other good friend, Brandy, she came in and did violin over it. So, um, I scored the whole film and then orchestrated out some violin and cello parts, uh, for them. Um, but everything else you hear is pretty much done in the box in my studio. Um, either me playing guitar or keys.
0: Well, and I'm guessing too, I mean, the, using the keyboard and with technology these days, you can recreate any instrument you want, I guess. is it, it, Do you use that kind of a concept as well?
1: Oh man, it, it's amazing. Like I mentioned, it, about, is, isn't it? Um, Spitfire earlier. Um, right. Yeah. The technology is just, man, it, it's come so far. Um, like I said, you know, a lot of the TV shows and the movies you're watching, um, especially TV shows are, are done in the box. A lot of the strings, the orchestration you're hearing um, is, is done by these using these sample libraries. Um, they, they just, they, yeah, they sound incredible, man. Um, it's and, kind of
0: a double-edged sword though, isn't it? Because uh, I, f- I feel sorry for musicians that might start missing out on work because, wow, well, we can just do it on the computer. You
1: know? Right. Well, a lot of them, what they're doing is they're blending the sample libraries with a real orchestra so they're recording a real orchestra but just to push it over the edge a little bit they're blending in slightly some of these sample libraries um so like big budget films they're not they're definitely and for me if i have the budget to do it you know i'll even take out some of my own cut to hire a live musician because i believe it, you know it will will never sound as good as a live musician right um, yeah you know uh so
0: can, can you can you kind of give us a brief uh by the way I saw the trailer you had kind enough to send that to me it looks fascinating it looks like it's really a cool movie but can, can you kind of give me a brief kind of an overview of what the what the film is like so that our listeners can kind of get a sense for it
1: yeah uh so it's it's kind of a play uh, a different kind of play on a revenge story um and it, just about this uh, uh high school outcast kind of um loner named aster who's like really into bees um and she ends up kind of getting taken under the wing of this mentor uh tressa um and uh she tressa kind of has these like sinister uh motives to taking her under her wing um a little bit of a creature feature kind of a uh, more more so a revenge story um But yeah, it's cool. It's a great watch for sure.
0: Yeah, it it looked incredibly creative. It it struck me as that wow, that's that's a this is a really neat idea, neat concept. So, uh, yeah, um,
1: yeah, the first act is great. The second act, you know, it it kind of takes you in these directions that you don't see coming, and like the last fifteen minutes is just is is just uh, crazy and insane. Fifteen minutes, yeah.
0: Well, what what we're gonna do? we're gonna play two cues from uh, from uh, Joe's latest work from the uh, film Royal Jelly. Uh, the first one will be the main title from the film, and also the next one will be uh, Revenge. Now I mean, and i'm I'm delighted to be able to highlight your work. Is there a reason why you wanted to kind of highlight these two particular cues?
1: uh the the theme, just because it's kind of the the obviously the main theme of the show, kind of plays in the opening credits. Um, you'll hear it right when you hit play. Uh, and Revenge, I felt like <clears throat> it's just kind of a good uh, overview of, of everything. Um, it's got a little bit of action, some soft emotional points, um, a little drama. <clears throat> I just feel like it, it takes you a lot of places.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, let's have a listen for ourselves. These are two cues from the, uh, the new film called Royal Jelly, and it's written by our guest, Joe Hodkin. Thank you. So uh, where can uh, where can people see Royal Jelly? Is it uh, is it coming out in theaters? Is it going to be streaming? You know, just kind of give us an idea about
1: that. Yeah, so it's available today. Actually, is the day it released. Um,
0: the day, yeah, today we're yeah. recording, and by the time this episode is posted, it'll it'll already be out. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. You can stream it on Amazon, um, and uh, I believe it's a few other places. But I, I think that's that's the. Uh, the main the main uh, online uh, outlet you can stream it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell me what's what's in Joe's future here. What what can our uh, people look forward to uh, beyond Royal Jelly? Are there other projects in the uh, in the pipeline that you're wanting to mention to us at this point?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm always constantly writing. I'm I'm honestly booked up through february or march now um holy
0: smokes yeah. that's great congratulations
1: yeah, awesome um i've got uh, a feature film i'm doing super excited about this one called did i um it's directed by sarah tice and it's uh it's a psychological horror um and it's like a more of a realistic approach on disassociative identity disorder um so i'm i've Really looking forward to that one. Great crew, amazing script. Uh, It's going to be a really, really good one. Um, I am signed on to do this feature called Woods of Ash, which is another horror film. Um, And I've got, like, several short films lined up. Uh, I'm composing originals always um, just to kind of hone in and practice my new techniques and skills. Constantly releasing, uh, you know, singles and, and originals all the time.
0: Okay. Okay. And if people want to kind of stay in touch with what, what the, what you're doing or, uh, you know, social media or those sorts of things, how do, how do people find out more about you and keep in touch with what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So it, you can either go to my website, which is joehodgin.com. It's, that's J O E H O D G I N. Um, or you can go to any social media outlet. Um, and just so like, it's just slash Joe Hodgin. So like if you're looking for my Instagram, instagram.com slash joe dot twitter.com slash joe hodgen so yeah literally uh you know any any outlet just type in slash joe Hodgin, and and i should have a page up on it
0: okay well terrific listen joe i've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation i i can't thank you enough for joining us i uh i'm very impressed with your work and i and i think you're a true up and comer and and the best is yet to come so i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i have
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having
0: me. It was uh, such a pleasure. Oh, my my pleasure indeed. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today uh, to our listeners. Uh, My appreciation to our guest, Joe, and I'm going to remind our patrons that we're going to do a bonus episode with Joe. So you'll get to hear some more of his work here in that bonus episode. But uh, for those of you that aren't on a patron, you should become one. So please consider that. And you can look at our Facebook page on what's the score to get more information on that. Anyway, so that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, I guess there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score?